Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. Welcome to leg eight of the podcast relay. Uh, Chris here again, uh, just being joined by Liam Scully, uh, Liam, CEO of Lincoln City Football Club. So uh, good to see you, Liam, and uh, welcome to Legate. Delighted to have you here. Uh, thank you very much for taking time on a Friday afternoon to join us. For everyone just sort of uh, getting in, you'll know that we're into now Legate of If I Knew Them What I Know Now. I've got kind of previous folks up here on the screen behind this week. I thought I'd sort of... Uh, trail it a little bit as well and um you know we're taking the time during uh this period where we've all had a bit more time to reflect and do things differently to uh take the theme of if i knew then what i know now as an opportunity to have some discussions with some people who have had their own uh careers of success to date they're still going through those but they're applying the reflection in a way that allows them to keep getting ever better and so having having had the chance to uh, speak with Sean West last week in the Lincoln area he's kept the Lincoln theme going and uh, uh, delighted that we get into a slightly different bit of the sporting world that we started with and getting into kind of the the leadership and the the business of sports so Liam really delighted that we get to sort of see a slightly different um, position from a sport perspective we keep our performance theme that's so important to us at Planet K2 going in terms of business and sports so a really nice overlap there as well so so great to be here and uh, uh how's how's lockdown been for you kind of i guess personally and professionally you know in order to kind of kick us off yeah no, it's, been, it's been interesting clearly very very difficult times for the for the country and, and for everybody involved and i think as a as an organization that you know we pride ourselves on being a, a pillar of the community i think we've we've also had the added pressure um, of acting and, and having responsibilities to, to the fans um, and the wider community of Lincoln. So, you know, every message that's gone out from the club, every action that we've taken, we, we felt the weight uh, and the pressure of, of making sure that we do, you know, that we are good citizens uh, and that we, you know, we, we do our communities proud. Um, I think home life's been interesting. So two young boys, um, you know, getting stormed on the Zoom calls, and uh, I thought I'd come into the office today for uh, for safety to ensure that uh, we had no repeats of that. So that that's been fun. I think um, the the misses somehow have avoided getting sent to the shed after uh, twelve weeks with with uh, living right under her shoes. So I've I've done well there. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's been it's been interesting. It's been difficult times, um, but ultimately, you know, as a as a as a leader of an organisation, you know, the challenges that have come thick and fast, you know, I'm fortunate to have been surrounded by a really good executive team. And, and between us, we've kind of rolled our sleeves up, you know, got, got on with things and, and kind of the fruits of our, our, our labour and the things that we've sown in previous years. I think now, now is the time that we're starting to reap some of the benefits of that. No, fantastic. Yeah. And I think it's, it's just a really interesting mix talking to everyone over the last few weeks about how levelling this whole thing has been, you know, because it, everyone ends up as the the person rather than the title so it's the stories about the home life and the kind of you know that everything kind of merging into one which are really interesting whilst still needing to carry on and kind of deliver the performance side as well so uh, um I, I am potentially expecting interruption from a seven-year-old but i'm not I, I, th I think we've negotiated our way out of that one happening so uh uh, it'll be down to me today if it does happen. Um, yeah, so I, th I think that's really interesting concept about the kind of sit being good citizens as well. And we'll kind of roll into a whole bunch of stuff around maybe some of that as we get the conversation going. But I I'm, I'm just curious before we get into if you knew then what you know now. I'm, I'm just interested in a little bit of the journey to CEO, 
of a football club, um, Lincoln specifically. What what what's your story been that's got you into this position, and how, how's your leadership sort of journey shaped? Yeah, so um, like like most kind of uh, young men who are interested in, in football, uh, when I was growing up, you know, I wanted to be a footballer. Um, I was part of you know the schoolboy system, and mm-hmm. and and I was a I was a goalkeeper that just never never really grew. So you know, <laughs> I, I got my kind of marching orders. Uh, prior to kind of scholarship year and it was probably at that point my whole world was rocked you know my, my confidence and at that time I thought I was going to be a professional footballer I, you know that that's where my focus was 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 kind of uh, set for um, and then what happened I was I was very fortunate that I got a uh, one of the first apprenticeships in football in the in the non-playing side um, as, as part of a national scheme so there were I think there were 10 places nationally I applied for one of those I, I was lucky to get it and then I got placed in my local club that was uh, that was uh, taking that position on and that was that was at Doncaster Rovers um, and the story from there Chris to be honest with you is, is I've, I've done a range of roles um, right across the football club and, and the sporting industry I've had a a number of short sabbaticals away from the industry but predominantly you know 16 years of, of working in football um, in, in total and, and just done many different jobs and, and find myself you know, very fortunate to find myself at, at Lincoln City working for some some outstanding people um, and, and being given the task of of taking the football club when we came back into the football league you know taking it forward as to a club that you know once again can thrive so you know very very lucky to be in the seat I'm in very privileged and, and honored um, but but my journey's been uh, you know a, a vocational one um, and, and unfortunately you know that that's given me the experience of, of many touch points and many experiences from from within football at ground level. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was, I was a coaching session this week with someone. I was talking. I, I used the concept of a goalkeeper mindset to to help get their head around a particular strategy. We might we might get back to some of that to see, you know, does the goalkeeper mindset present itself in particular ways in your leadership? So, uh, I, I I am interested. Is there anything that if you'd known then when you were being released at sixteen that you know now that would have been helpful for you back then? Yeah, I, I think what what I was fortunate enough is that um, I had you know had good parents and, and good grounding that you know when it was you know I, I felt it was catastrophic at the time you know my whole world had kind of just collapsed um, you know really really didn't see it coming and, and that was my own ignorance and my own naivety um, and I, and I think what what I was very fortunate is that I had parents that knew the right amount of um, you know putting the arm around me. And, and giving me a cuddle and make me feel, you know, it, it's all right. Um, but equally, you know, motivating me, didn't let me moat, didn't let me kind of, you know, just, just, uh, you know, feel sorry for myself and quite quickly got me back on the bicycle and said, you know, that there are alternative routes. And I think I, you know, I was very much for, for probably six months after that, I was almost trying to fight my parents for that. You know, I, I was still going, you know, I will be a professional footballer. It doesn't matter that I'm a goalkeeper and I'm just five foot nine and a half. I'll I'll show them. And and it was a, it was a bit of a dose of realism, um, but equally done so in a way that was that was empathetic and and you know I just felt that love and support that that you know that natural you, you get from your parents. So I, I was I was really fortunate. You know, I, I was I was brought up by a mother that's um, you know child psychologist. So. Yeah constantly under the microscope and and, and, and fair play, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure I reap the benefits of, of her training and her education. Um, but uh, I think I think really um, the fact that, you know, life will, will give you many setbacks, it, you know, success isn't a straight line. Um, and, and, and I think that was a nice early lesson that kind of shaped me for, for the future and, you know, get back on the bike, dust yourself down and, and crack on. 
Yeah, yeah. I, so for, for years, sort of in, in in high performance sport, one of one of the things has always been, you know, to, if you want if you want to be great, choose your parents wisely because the genetic influence is very strong. So at least you didn't give them a hard time for not getting you to over six foot. So that's kind of you know kind of good yeah. from that perspective. But yeah, I think I think that balance and that nurturing that comes alongside that as well, and you know, they, I, I I get. Do you do you see that that ability to sort of be cared for, but be sort of you know given the tough love has, has that kind of influenced in your leadership style yeah and, and i think that the one thing that i would like to see that we we nurture into the next generation and our workforce is 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 that resilience you know mm-hmm. I, I, we're in a we're in an era now where we are very supportive you know the school of hard knocks is no longer around in a sense you know for example apprentices in football they're no longer cleaning the stands you know cleaning the boots you know there isn't you know this this kind of mentality that, that probably did encourage you know bullying and some really poor practices um however you know what what that does lose is is you know the potential of that resilience factor um and what i think is important is that we re- replace that in, in other ways um and, and i think that that's where i was very fortunate with my parents and, and equally that my network around me you know equal to my parents with my friendship circle in the fact that you know between you know that that group that I had that I felt were very close they they gave me you know a bit of a kick in as, as lads would do and you mm-hmm. know tell me that I'm not good enough and stop moping and stop crying but but then we you know we crack on and we and we you know we we we, we go again together so I think that you know it's really important that you know that the one thing that I feel is that, that has been embedded is that is just that inner resilience and the fact that you know that motivation has to start from within and of course we rely on our on their work and of course we rely on the, the, the support that we have around us but ultimately it, the inner strength it, it does have to come from from yourself and you've got to have that determination and that and that drive um and i, and I think what 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 i would always say is the the analogy being you know the the, the bumper barriers on the bowling alley you yeah. know the keepers on track but ultimately we, we've still got to be the one that goes and, and and knocks that middle pin out um in order to hit the strike and i think that that's how you know the, the support network that i've always felt around me was was there that just a little help and a steer to get back on track um, yeah. But it's down to you. It is down to the individual. Yeah, and, and I guess the importance of knowing the track and where that's going, and everyone kind of having that same picture of where you're heading as well. And and, and interestingly, you talk about the resilience because certainly, I think in a lot of the, the the work that we do, we always, you know, if someone says we'd like a resilience program, we also say, okay, so you know, we want to make sure you've got your mental health awareness program alongside that, so you've got both sides of the equation. Those <laughs> barriers are kind of being there as well, and. And, and often the resilience actually to keep going when things are going well is as valuable as the resilience needed to kind of bounce back from stuff as well. So I think it's a really interesting commodity when we open it up to being something that is just a really useful set of thoughts, principles, you know, responses to whatever's going on. So, yeah, I, I think that, you know, it is, it's, a, it's a key area and, and, and a good one to call out. So if I knew then what I know now, kind of you know that's the that's the topic and so you and I chatted a little bit earlier in the week and I, I'm just wondering you know having had that chat things kind of settled with you a little bit more as well does your mind go to a t- particular place when you think about okay well if I knew then what I know now okay so what did, does it go anywhere in particular to start reflecting 
Yeah, I, I think the first thing for me really was was when you know I was um, by by default I, I got my first you know senior management position at, at the age of 24, 25, mm-hmm. um, and 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 that genuinely was by accident. I'd, I'd just you know been received a promotion to a role where I was the deputy in an organisation and, and my and my line manager uh, and, the, and the chief executive of the, the organisation went went off with with kind of sick leave and and we was left holding the baby and and, and at the time. The, the organization uncovered some quite difficult circumstances and, and ultimately it was a it was a baptism of, of fire you know i would never have been given that opportunity at 24 25 with, without those set of circumstances but ultimately you know I, it was left with me and, and it was at a point that you know it was it was time to kind of step up um and i think that the big thing that I, i'll take and i will always take forward in my career was you know we were at the stage of the organization i was leading at the time we were talking about innovation and we were talking about how do we change the dial here what what you know what what do we need to do to innovate to stay relative you know to stay um you know to make sure we have a place you know in the in the market Um, and when everyone talks about innovation they talk about you know if we're talking right nowadays we talk about elon musk and tesla and sending a man to you know to the space station well my favorite piece of innovation is the upside down ketchup bottle you know, the, the, the lid used to be on the top and all of a sudden, the, you know, we, we just changed the we changed the pouring point and the, and the lid's on the bottom. Well, actually, the lid's in the same place. We've just changed the label. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and it's a brilliant piece of innovation because it's so simple. It's so basic, but it's a game changer. It, it really is. And I think the one thing I found is that before you earn the right to be innovative in, in, in terms of new concepts and bringing things the, the brilliant basics have to be mastered and, and, and have to be in place you know there is no point aiming for that sweet spot of innovation if, if, if the grounding you know isn't in place and and my first leadership role I kind of came into it and I was like right we're going to rip everything up we're going to change everything we're going to make the diff and and, and actually the, the 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 focus should have could have and would have been far more effective in, in just you know detailing and getting the bread and butter sorted and, and then moving on. So I think the one thing that I, I've, I've been really conscious as I've moved around different senior leadership roles is, 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 is brilliant basics, get the basics in place, build from there and, and earn the right to be truly innovative. Um, but, but, you know, deal with the bread and butter first and foremost. And was, was that, how did the confidence feel being thrown into the fire at that time? So, you know, that, that, you know, that, that feels like at 24, you know, here you go, circumstances mean you're now in that sort of chief exec role. How, how did you feel from a confidence point of view? I think it was really difficult for a number of reasons. I think first and foremost, obviously, your natural maturity levels anyway, um, mixed with your limited knowledge. So you've got, you know, a minus on your maturity, a minus on your your knowledge base. So you're really up against it. But what that does do is it sharpens the mind. You know, the, there's nothing like a crisis that focuses your attention. Um, and the, you know, so I think from from that point of view, that that was a it was a really steep learning curve. But you know, every single day I went in and I was learning something new. And every single, you know, it, it was it was fundamental. I think the real challenge is you know in any leadership role or you know if you're part of a team and then you become a supervisor stepping out of the team environment and becoming the leader i think that's a natural challenge and i think that i've always believed that the first leadership step you ever take is the hardest not necessarily because of the skill set and the knowledge more because you're going from team environment and team you know a person within a team to 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 the person on the maybe on the outside or on the peripheral of that that team and that that can be a real difficult balance 
So then I had the social aspect in it. You know, I was good friends with the people. So I was, you know, I was going out for a few beers at the weekend with the lads and having a curry and a few pints and getting into all kinds of states, what you do at that age. Yeah. And then and then Monday morning, I'm expected to be the boss and, you know, the, the you know, bulletproof and, you know, the confidence and the profession. And it, and it was really difficult to kind of manage, you know, the, the social aspect um, and then equally, you know, the, the professionals. So I think one thing I've been very conscious of is, you know, the, there's various different arguments for different styles around how you, you know, where you're, you're the ideal amount of distance from yeah. that, that core team. Um, and, and I've always taken the approach, probably because I've, I've, I've stepped up and stepped from within, that I'd rather be too close than too distant. Um, you know, I accept that there are failings of that, of that model but what they are is that they're always going to be genuine and, and honest and transparent failings rather than just trying to hide behind a, you know a, an office door or hide behind decisions you know i think always always being able to to front up um and, and be accountable to those decisions i think yeah. the, the, the challenge of that and the flip side is that i think the shop floor is a very is, is a unique space and um, leaders i don't think should obsess around being on the shop floor too much and obsessed with knowing every detail. You know, without being too crude, I'd almost say the shop floor is, is like a teenager's bedroom. You know, mum, you know, there's some things mum should just not know and they're better off not knowing. Um, and, I, and I'd almost say there's, there's synergies in, in that, in the fact that you've got to at least, you know, you've got to have checks and balances and you've got to be able to relate and understand what's going on. But you can stifle creativity, you can stifle people's confidence by, by trying to be a member of the team, by constantly being in and on the shop floor. You know, you've got to employ people, trusting them to do a good job and, and give them the creative space to, to get on with things. Yeah, 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 quite a lot of interesting stuff there as well in terms of, you know, the the collaboration, you know, because I guess ultimately, you know, well, hopefully teenagers end up keeping their bedroom in a state that, you know, they're happy to show it off as well. So uh, um, I'm still hoping for that, I hope. But uh, so <laughs> I got there eventually, though, so, so I am hopeful of that. Um, yeah, and I, I'm just interested in that balance and the proximity piece, Liam, because that's, that's quite an interesting challenge but around where we get our confidence from so some people definitely get confidence from the proximity and the quick feedback and the feeling part of something and other people get their proximity a little bit more from the distance and sort of having their own space and kind of making sense of stuff for themselves was that part of the balance for you just in terms of getting that right and you know the relationship with confidence and other people and proximity to them yeah so in my early days i really obsessed over my brand so right. I'm really obsessed with what do the team know me as? So if, if the team was to be asked, what is Liam? How, you know, what is he as a leader? What does he do? I, I, was, I was obsessive as to what that would be. And I, and I wanted it to be 100% positive. Um, and I think what, what, I, what I've quickly learned is that, you know, that utopia doesn't necessarily exist. What, you know, what you brand and what you want it to be. Um, you know, ultimately what, what you've got to do as an, as an effective leader is, is you've got to be many things to, to many people. Um, not everything to everyone, but you've, you've got to, you know, you've got to show different sides because, you know, as per, you know, if we're using sport as the example, as per a performance team that maybe every character needs a different style of management. It, it's very, very similar in, in, in managing and leading a business and an, and an organization, you know. Um, and I think what, what I did find is that no matter what I wanted my brand to be, I had a default setting. Right. that when I stopped thinking about it, you know, I would ultimately go into that mode. And that was actually more me and what was true yeah. to me. So 
what you know over probably a course of five six years i realized that you know if i'm just myself and if i'm honest and and, and as long as i'm holding myself to high professional standards then the brand and the identity will, will take care of its will take care of itself there will be some things that i think hit the sweet spot and i'm really pleased about and there'll just have to be some things that i accept that i'll, I'll never be that but what i don't want to do is i don't want to compromise my really good qualities by by trying to compensate for the ones that maybe are not you know, ideal for this this perfect leader um so i'd just rather be really good in the areas that i'm really good at and and, it, and, it, and and not necessarily accept failings but just not try and be something that i'm that i'm not yeah yeah and that, you know that's a really interesting conversation i have with a lot of leaders actually around are you clearly and proudly stating to the people that you're leading the kind of leader that you know yourself to be and the, and, and and how you thrive and how you're seeking to add value so that people can kind of get ready to consume that. But that also puts you in a position to kind of say, but there will be occasions where we perhaps have to kind of, you know, just change some of that because circumstances will require us and me to be a little bit different in terms of how we tackle stuff. And, and, and you know, I think the confidence to articulate this is the kind of leader that I am, I think that there's, there's a real maturity and growth in that and being comfortable that you don't have to be all things to all people, you're better off having a stand that you can then move from together. Has, has that changed in different roles that you've been in, different kind of chief exec roles, different organisations for you? Yeah, so, so going back to that very first role, that was an interesting one because that was about an organisation that it was the July I got, you know, I, I got the job and, and we were expecting to close the doors by, by the January. So it was effectively, can you save it or it's going to be wound down and, it, and it's right. going to go go bust and and what ended up happening out of that was we the the senior leadership group that we had and that we retained we we developed a bond and we were really close and then once we earned the right to survive and once we went on to to other things and the organization got back to thriving um, and going it went on to bigger and better things there was a real bond within that group that couldn't really, you know, was never really split. So as more people joined the organization, as the leadership structure changed, that original kind of cohort of five, we remained kind of uniquely tight. And what was really interesting is, I think if you asked us all, we weren't necessarily the type of people that would go for a beer with each other or socialize with each other. We, were, we came from very different backgrounds. But what we what we'd earned through going through that experience is we we had we had a bond that meant we could be very honest but without agenda to each other. And yeah. what we was able to do was able to give feedback to each other that was without agenda and it never felt that it was loaded. So I think what, what was unique about that is that there was almost a, the group um, led and drove the organization on um, and that unity and that bond was, was, was never broken until then everybody started kind of moving on to different career paths. Mm -hmm. My next job that I went into the thing that I couldn't, I really struggled with was 14 months down the line, I was going, but why has the senior leadership team not got this bond? Why are we not, you know, why would we not run through a brick wall for each other? Um, and ultimately, what I then obviously learned going through the, the various stages was that the experience that, that we had in fighting for survival, you can't replicate that, you can't manufacture that. Yeah. And, and ultimately, the output and the outcome of that experience created something that was then very powerful. So then trying to replicate that when building you know high performing teams in the future you know you do need a unique experience or you do need something to dial to dial that up and and it can be lots of little things it can be various different things but um you know you, you I, I i quickly learned that i can't just have a method and then just apply the same method 
you know, it, it's it, horses for courses. It, it's got to be the, the right methodology for the right time for the right organization. Surviving is a different mode and being till thriving, completely yeah. different leadership. Uh, your skills and examples yeah yeah absolutely and uh, John thank you for your comment around kind of you know leaders not pretending uh, to be what they're not you know because because that, that that's clear in there uh, but but also as you've just you know said Liam as well I think I think that's really important to have that sense of you know I'm going to be clear the kind of leader that I am but I'm going to be clear what the situation is that we're in and we'll make sure that we're all together kind of facing into that it, but it just strikes me that it was really lucky that your first role was one that played to the goalkeeper mindset beautifully got to keep it got to keep stuff out there's going to be shots being fired we're going to you know really enjoying the opportunity to kind of see if you can keep a clean sheet when actually you know there's not much defense and there's a lot of attack and that that probably would have been quite useful for you at that point yeah, and, 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 and the thing is, looking back now, and when you talk about, you know, reflecting, and, and if I knew then what I know now, you know, my industry knowledge was 1%. It really was, you know, um, I, I had no idea, and I was completely out of my depth. Frankly put, I was in the hot seat because I was the cheap option. You know, that, that's why I was, you know, that's why I was there. Um, and, and ultimately, what, you know, the learning curve that, that went from that was, was, you know, my, my knowledge base quite, quite quickly ratcheted up from 1%. You know, every day I was doubling. I was leaving the organization with double the knowledge that I walked through the door in the morning. And whilst that still might only be 5%, you know, or 6%, you know, I was every day I was developing and, and learning and every day the, the, the team was, was, was learning as well. And, and I think also what, what that experience has, has kind of given me good grounding for the future is walking into the organization, you don't have to have all the answers to everything at that moment in time. You will learn on the job. You will learn from the environment and the experiences. And equally, you know, when I came to Lincoln City, the, the mistake I did make in the early phases was I went, you know, Doncaster where I'd left. You know, we, you know, I, I thought we'd built up a really good structure and, and there was some really good practice. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to lift everything from Doncaster and we're going to build it again in Lincoln. Mm -hmm. And Lincoln and Doncaster are very different places, different communities, different different expectations. And, and, and within about four or five weeks, I, I quickly realized that, you know, don't don't try and replicate. You know, we've got to, to take the best of 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 of, of or best practice that's out there. You know, we are the best of thieves at times, but but make it unique and make it special to Lincoln, make it special to the group that you know I, I'm responsible for, for leading, make it you know unique to so the challenge that I've been set by the board of Lincoln City and make sure I'm, I'm meeting those, those expectations, not that of, of another club or, or another organisation. Um, but I, I just think that, you know, the, 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 the fallacy that you've got all the answers or that, you know, you, 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 at any stage, you know, it, it, it is just, it's just a myth. And I think the, 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 the quicker that we become comfortable in the fact that we're constantly learning, constantly evaluating, um, we're not afraid to go, do you know what? That's a bad decision. Reverse. Let's let's start again. I think I think that there's some some real power in 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 that humility and that honest and, and ability to say, do you know what? We you know we we're, we're going down the wrong track. Start again, and we'll go. And, and that and by the way, that's my fault, guys. Sorry, I've wasted your effort. Let's reverse. It's on me. This. And I think that's more powerful than plowing on head first, trying to force an endpoint that, that's not achievable or not right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think I think that's interesting. Just around uh, having the confidence to lead, rather than feeling that you need to be a leader who has all the answers. 
and 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 that and that subtle difference between the two is very important. We'll 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 have to talk about the performance intelligence model that that, that I've got. We'll talk about that sort of beyond today, but that that's an interesting one in as much as it's based upon confidence. And and the the, the key piece to begin with is: Are you confident that you know the world that you're working in as a leader? Do you feel like you kind of you know the field of play? as well as are you confident you know yourself as a performer? And once you've got those two bits in place, you've got a stable base to then kind of cut to action from, whether strategic action or personal performance. Um, and it's really interesting that kind of the, the world know that I call it that confidence that you know the world that you're performing in, your speed of learning that you're talking about there as well. That's that's particularly interesting. Did have you Have you found ways of acquiring that knowledge that you've become more comfortable with so who do you talk to what do you read you know how, how do you how do you update that knowledge when you're starting from a new knowledge base i guess i think it's making sure that you stretch yourself you know every single day so quite frankly this this stretches me sit here yeah. you know sitting here today talking to you about myself you know with with people that i'm sure you know very well respected leaders within their businesses and their industries you know sat, sat listening to this so i think it's making sure that we we, you know, we every single day um, just stretch ourselves a little and don't let that that mundane day to you know day to day task list, um, you know, but you know wear wear us down. You know, um, I'm a I'm a if I'm honest, I'm a Matthew Said junkie. I read, uh, you know, I've read his books. I was introduced to it by by the chairman of Lincoln City, and and I've become quite quite obsessed. Um, but I think equally, you know, the the other thing that I'm, I'm I'm very aware of is that you know I'm still a relatively young man in in industry. I, I may lead colleagues with probably double the amount of experience that I've had. And the one thing that you can find is is always asking open questions and and giving that opportunity for feedback is just absolutely critical because you know ultimately you know I have to sign off the end decision and ultimately on my head be it. But the, the amount of nuggets and the amount of bits of information that, that come. And, and the one thing that I've always felt completely fine about is, is surrounding myself with, with good people. I don't feel threatened. And I don't think any leader should really feel threatened by surrounded by good people. And arguably people that are far more, you know, got more intelligence, more intellect, more better subject knowledge. Because ultimately, you know, taking that collaborative approach and working as, as a team, you know, having good people around you will only end up in end results. The, the chief exec or the leader doesn't have to be the smartest person in the room you know they're, they're ultimately just the conductor of, of the orchestra um and and, and 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 the job of the chief exec isn't to have the knowledge you know i shouldn't be able to outdo the finance director on finance or the commercial director on commercial or the football manager on football you know i can't frankly but what i can be is i can be the glue that holds the organization together and i can ask challenging you know i can be the quirky child i can ask why what, what we're doing this for, Do you, just tell me your reasons for that. And through that kind of just check and challenge process with a flexible hierarchy, I think that's the important thing. And, and flexible hierarchy is something that I'm re I really believe in that, you know, when I, when I enter a room or when any leader enters the room, just because you're chairing the meeting or just because you sat at the end seat at the table, you know, doesn't mean that that's the knowledge base, you know, and I think any environment you should be happy, you know, or you should create the environment where, there is almost no hierarchy or at times if we're talking commercial the commercial director is the leader of that subject not the chief exec not the finance director it, it, you know stick in your lane yeah <laughs> know your knowledge base stick in your lane it, it is, is critically important yeah there's, there's there's interesting sort of 
leadership models, team models around a holacracy, a, a holocratic approach where you get the right people in there and it's, and it's about role and function and, and collective objective rather than hierarchy. Um, I think, I think that, that's, that, that's an interesting area as well because it takes that idea and sort of tries to operationalize it. It's come a lot from uh, Zappos, the uh, sort of online uh, shoe company in America with Tony, Tony Shea. There's some interesting stuff that, that, that comes out of that as well. And so that, that surrounding yourself with good people, that kind of being in a position to be the glue. You know, again, I just keep getting sporting things coming into my head and seeing you as a goalkeeper kind of, you know, being quite a, a mouthy goalkeeper, organising stuff in front of you and quite enjoying that part of it. Um, that may be a complete misinterpretation, but, that, you know, I think there's a, there's a skill there in terms of using your voice because you can see stuff that everyone else can't. And you can see the whole picture, which often is the role of a CEO. And I, th I think, you know, that's that's quite interesting. But but again, your earlier point, and if I knew then what I know now, shifting from crisis reaction into creation and sort of, you know, freedom of performance. What, what, did, what, what, did, what did you learn there just in terms of, you know, being confident to have those different scenarios and, you know, being able to be effective in those different situations? Yeah, and I think what's what's really interesting is that your confidence, or I felt that my confidence levels in the scenario started from zero every time the challenge was reset. You know, so you know, I I would sit there and 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 go, you know what, I, I feel like I've 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 nailed this. I understand this. I've got a good knowledge base. I've got a good confidence level. I'm, I'm comfortable in 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 this area. And then quite quickly, just change the dial a little bit, change the environment, change the the expectations, and 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 instantly confidence levels go back to zero. You know, going back to that inner belief. You know, making sure that you you know the pathway that that you're in. And and whilst there are transferable skills, and whilst you know often the environment might on the whole remain the same it, it, it's constantly making sure you find those those key elements that can change the dynamic change the change the experience so you know the, the team here go crazy at me but I'm, I'm obsessive around office moves and environments and and we'll actively move people around because once we have you know we'll, we'll set the organization up so the right departments can talk to the right people quite quickly but when that challenge changes then we should change that again. We shouldn't, you know, I don't think that, you know, we should have the corner office because we've, all, we've always been there. You know, we need a dynamic where it might be commercial needs to talk to accounts on a day-to-day -day basis. So, and, and that's the, so, so let's find that, let's find that environment. Um, so I, I do drive people crazy by kind of setting up the office and taking it down and resetting it. But, you know, I think the, 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 the you know, the, the definition of insanity, what we are, you know, we all know the famous quote, but, you know, you set something up for a task. Once you've achieved it, then the new task needs, needs different tools. It's a different toolbox. Um, it might, you know, and, and then it goes back to that, you know, get, get the right people on the bus and then worry about where they're sat later, but get good people, get everybody, you know, on the bus uh, and then we can deal with the seating plan once we're in play. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've, I think I've said this before, but the um, I saw the chief executive Zalando speaking a while ago, and, and they very much had a, a talent approach of we really like the look of that person. They've got the right kind of character. We're going to get them in and find out where they make a difference, rather than we've got a job and we're going to advertise. You know, there's, so there's there's an interesting recruitment bit there as well. It, you know, moving the office around, you know, teams playing different formations. Yeah, you know, it's it, it, you know, there's, 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 I think. 
you know, we can sometimes make the sport metaphor very clunky, but we don't need, we don't need to actually it's being fit for purpose. And have we got the kind of right formation and, you know, so Simon, um, who's been on the previous podcast, has just put a comment in as well, you know, surrounding yourself with people who are better than you at the stuff that needs to, that they need to be better at is really important, but that also plays for the formation bit as well. Sometimes, you need someone who's in a particular role leading, don't you? And kind of, you know, having have it being the focal point. And does does the does the office move go to that extent as well, where it kind of feels that you're all huddling behind someone else who's kind of at the helm at a different point? Yeah, and I think that that whole group dynamic and that group behaviour has you know has got to come into it. You know, we, what we've ultimately got to do is we we want to create an environment where people feel comfortable that they can thrive. But that that ability to thrive has to come from challenge every day. And and at times, you know, to to be extreme with this, but that can be sitting two people next to each other that don't particularly like each other, but have to work together or have have completely different kind of backgrounds, backstories. You know, aren't are, are natural synergy because in the uncomfortableness of, of what that can create, you know, the, the ingredients that get baked along that journey, you know, the, the cake that comes out at the other end can, can be quite, quite special with, with that. And, and, yeah. you know, look, listen, we, we, we talked about the, the sport element, you know, and there, and, and I do think it, it's completely crazy. The fact that we have professional sports and athletes that, you know, they spend 90% of their week training and developing, and then they spend 10% of that in performance mode. And they're ultimately judged on that 10%. So how hard they work in that 90% is irrelevant because they're judged at the end of 90 minutes or at the end of a cricket match or the rugby match or whatever, or if they've got a gold medal or not. That's that's ultimately how they're judged. Whereas kind of administrators, shall we say, are those that, that don't work in a professional, you know, we're constantly in performance mode. Yeah. We never spend our time, or we rarely spend time training, developing, questioning our formation question and, and and it's almost you know there's got to be a balance between that because of course we've got to be doers we've got to have achieve outputs in performance mode from an administration point of view but you have got to spend time training developing coaching um because that that ultimately affects the performance um and i think that's where you know things like the office move things like you know forcing uncomfortable conversations um so, you know changing the team up a little bit changing job descriptions moving it around it's not the fact that it's a revolving door it's just an evolution of, of the process and 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 people have in, to, to kind of you know without sounding arrogant pe people to, to to work within the teams that i lead have got to be comfortable with that constant evolution and that and that moving we don't set a structure and then just the KPIs change. We we you know we we work to the key performance indicators. We have a structure in place, and then we just constantly evolve and change that as per the needs of the business, as set by the directors. Yeah, I, yeah, it's it's interesting as well thinking about the different conversations you know that can take place. Just because we we know that you know there's an awful lot of focus on diversity and inclusion, but one of the biggest reasons for diversity is that you truly do end up with high performance. Whereas if you only if, if you only keep allowing the privileged few to keep sort of getting access to certain things, you never actually truly find out what the best performance looks like. Um, you just you just find out what performance looks like when similar looking people get together who haven't really risen to the top. They've just been helped to the top. And I think there's, you know, the, the making sure that the diversity that is present is made the most of and then staying open to more diversity to really pursue how good we can be that that's a really interesting really interesting sort of you know opportunity with with growth for everyone all the time and it's it, yeah 
I think it's always interesting that you know Olympic sports teams don't have a learning and developing department, learning and development department, because that's every day. You know, <laughs> you go to work to do that. There's not a continuous improvement initiative. That's training. You know, so how do you bake that into the environments where you are actually performing every day? You know, it's probably not helpful to have a continuous improvement initiative. But what it is, what's the nature of the conversations that we have that can help us keep getting better at doing the stuff whilst doing it? So you kind of bring the bring that mindset. And I think it's really interesting, really interesting to hear you sort of saying that as well. Is is there anything else that you've picked up sort of, you know, as as you've sort of stuff that you now know in your role a little while into the role in Lincoln that, you know, if you knew that then or you knew it earlier, would have made a difference? Is, is there anything other stuff comes in? Yeah, I think it, it touches on some of the things that we said earlier, but, um, you know, working in the business and on the business are two very different things. Um, and when I first took a leadership role, I was I was obsessed with working in the business and making a difference by being a brilliant technician and showing everybody that I was a better technician or I was the person that could design the best spreadsheets or design the best standard operating procedures or design the best functionality methods. Um, when when actually, you know, your, your role as a leader is, is more on, you know, is more on the business. And, and let those in the business and give them the, that that room and that space. Uh, and and I think if you can retain that bird's eye view and that holistic view of the organisation, I think a leader should have a good idea of what's going on in every area of the business, but not intrinsic. It, it shouldn't be you know root and branch. It shouldn't be detailed because you know you don't want to stifle that creativity. I, I I do you know the only thing I would say to contradict that I think in crisis mode or in you know when when you're ambulance chasing, I think I think there's a probably a slightly different approach that you need to take take yeah. there you know for a forensic level of detail um certainly when it comes to finance and numbers i think i think that's a, a difficult a different challenge but it just goes back to survival mode is very different to, to, to thriving um so I, I think making sure that you get that you know you, you've got credibility to know what's going on in the business but but you, you know you are on you are working on the business you're able to kind of influence push and pull you know almost going back to that that, that kind of you know leading the orchestra making sure that you're just constantly keeping everybody to, to time so i think i think that the challenge with that you have as a leader is before you know it you're in too deep and by the time you realize it you you know you you you, you, you you've you've involved yourself too much or you, you you so i think what what you've then got to do is just understand those exit strategies that you're constantly playing that you don't feel like you're abandoning the team just because things have got hard or we've got an impasse on something so it, it, it's just constantly you know constantly managing managing that really and 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 i think the biggest thing the biggest confidence and the biggest game changer for me that i, I learned was it really doesn't hurt to say sorry i got that wrong you know you don't you don't have to be bulletproof um, you have to be human and 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 you, you've got to be honest because people will see through when you you know you know quite quite basic language but if, if you're trying to blag a success pe people will know so you're far better um, you know, reversing and, and using that type of, of, of language, that type of approach, you will gain far more credibility um, than you will trying to plough head on, um, it, you know, into something that, that's not quite right or isn't going to work. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that, that's really clear. And, and again, I, you know, I like that, some of the contrast there where you say, well, actually, if it's this kind of situation, we need a, we need a different approach. But, it, but again, you know, that's, that, that's very much like okay what are the various scenarios that we as a leadership team are likely to face over the course of the next 12 months 
and what's our game plan for each of those scenarios? Here's a defensive one where we're looking to recover. Here's, a, here's an offensive one where we're looking to create momentum. Again, in the same way that the teams will set up and kind of go, right, we've just gone a goal down. What do we do for the next few minutes? And, and you don't want to be in that situation, but at least you've got a game plan for, what, for if you find yourself in it, rather than just kind of go, right, let's hope we never get one nil down or, you know, we lose a couple of goals. We, we won't plan for it. We'll just hope that it doesn't happen because we mustn't have the negative thought about it happening. You, know, you, you get all this madness about not planning for what are just different performance scenarios. And I, th I think having the confidence to, to also say, as a leader, I'm going to get us ready for these different situations, good, bad or indifferent, so we're confident to respond. That's very much like that, you know, the confidence to kind of hold your hands up and say, I'm not quite sure here. What do you think? Or I've got that wrong. How do we make sure that doesn't happen again? It, it's, it's planning for the inevitable scenarios, isn't it? I think, and that's, and that's important. Yeah, and the, and the one I've struggled with was at times is when people have, have said, you know, only think positive thoughts. So, you know, don't, 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 don't review, the, review this and say, well, oh, what happens if, if, if it goes badly? What if it's not well received? You know, only positive thoughts will lead to only positive outcomes. Well, if I'm honest, you know, I, I can understand that from a mentality point of view. I can understand it from an elite performance point of view. But, but what you have seen in scenarios like that, and, and look, if we use football as an example, but teams that don't prepare for what happens if they go one down after five minutes then usually end up losing four or five nil because they yeah. don't have that alternative approach and, it, and it's almost the same in, in, in business and every decision what happens if we launch a new product and it bombs what happens if, if it's just not hit that sweet spot and, and people don't like it well we, we've almost got to know before we start that we've got an alternative route because the, the, in the same breath what we're doing is in the product design and in launch you know whatever we do we're not going to snooker ourselves so we're not going to go down an avenue where we've only got one pathway and it and it's hit or miss you know if, if you can plan for those what if scenarios then what you are is further down the line you're more adaptable you're more prepared and and, and you are ready and, yeah. and i think one of the real interesting dynamics of this is when we build a team in this era era so in in a, in a modern workplace now from a generational gap we've got people that have never been further apart from each other as, a, as an upbringing you know we we've got you know the 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 you know we've gone beyond the millennials. We've got the iGen and the, the digital you know generation. That three minutes is a long time. Everything's instantaneous. They'll send a thousand emails a day, but probably won't have five conversations. Yeah. Whereas you've got people at the other end of the spectrum that need to talk, that need to feel that human interaction, that do things on a calculator, a piece of paper, whatever it may be. And then what you're expected to do is try and blend these people and get them to kind of sing at the same time, work to the same. And, that, and that's really difficult when fundamentally people are, are, are very, very different. And, and I go back to the point, my, my personal view is in the workplace right now, from those that are nearly ready to retire into those that are entering in the workplace, we've never had a bigger gap in terms of, 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 of that whole uh, experience, that, that upbringing. Um, and I think what's really interesting is your star players, your man of the matches, they become different people at different times. You know, and, and it's making sure that just because one person is your number one at one area and unfortunately somebody else is, is probably not very effective at that moment in time, that dial will change 
that, you know, at some point in some scenario, your 10 will become one and your one will become 10. That, you know, and, and, and it's making sure that you, you're always aware of what that, what that hierarchy and, and what that relationship looks like and, and, and being, making sure you're always preparing your one to play your, you know, your star role. Uh, and I think that's, that's really important when you look at changing dynamics, changing situations um, and understanding how that all, all fits together. Yeah, yeah, no, really clear, really clear. And, you know, again, if I go back to you being a goalkeeper, the, uh, you know, I, I, would, I, I would predict that for the goalkeepers that I know, they are the ones who are actually much more negative thinkers naturally than positive because you're really good at planning how you're going to stop, keep stuff out. And so, the neg- you know, you, you are faced with the fact that I'm stopping a negative all the time. So, you know, the, the, and there's a lot of stuff on the performance room about the nonsense of positive thinking for the sake of it, but there's helpful thinking. I've had a thought, how do I build on it helpfully? So it doesn't, it doesn't matter whether it's a positive or a negative thought, what's the helpful next thought that comes with it? Because that's the thing that drives the action. Uh, but, you know, and, I, and I, can, I can see that in your answers around that helpful thinking to do with, here's the challenge of the, of the sort of uh, diversity of age within the working population. How do we deal with that? What's, that, what's, the, what's the solutions? What's the helpful way of thinking about that? And so, you know, I can kind of see the... Uh, see how you, you you embrace that problem solving thinking rather than the often overly optimistic positive for the sake of it denial of you know anything other than brilliant thinking which 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 stops a lot of people so i think that's really really fascinating uh, time, time is flying liam so uh, I'm, I'm just curious have you got any last thoughts or any last reflections based upon the sort of you know the leadership journey the if i knew then what i know now no, I, I think, you know, I, I know it's and it's almost taboo now to use this, but, you know, the term authentic leadership, I, th- I think that's critical. And, and you shouldn't have to use the term authentic to, to be an authentic, uh, an authentic leader. If you have to write that above your door, then you're doing something wrong. Um, and I think the one thing that, that I've, I've, I've learned from uh, and, and I've been lucky enough that, you know, I've had I've grown in confidences and, and I've, I've been fortunate enough to, to be really relatively successful in the challenge that I've faced. Um, but but being authentic, being being true to yourself, being true to the people that you you lead in, is is a far better quality um, than, like I said, repeat myself, but being bulletproof or, or having all, all the knowledge. Um, you know, I, I won't embarrass them by by naming them, but there's 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 somebody I worked under and alongside for a number of years who 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 regularly used to say to me, "I'm just a thick ex rugby league player." Um, well, he really wasn't because what 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 he was was he was just a he, you know he's a pied piper. People followed him, um, uh, and and watching you know that person's leadership skills and how they went about things was was very different to to mine. There wasn't a right or a wrong, but the thing that was really powerful was just the genuine nature of of that and the sincere nature of how that was approached. And I, and I took a lot of learning from that. You know, that that person was not scared to say, you know, to sit in a meeting with some very intelligent people and say, I don't know what you're on about. I don't understand. You know, and, and I think I think that's got more power um, uh, and, and is is a, is a bigger lesson and something that I'll, I'll always take forward rather than trying to be something I'm not. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, they, they, there's a really big thing coming through all of all of the interviews about just the, the the lessons that have been learned that have ended up with people's increased confidence to be themselves and understanding the value that they bring when they are themselves, but also still having the desire to kind of what's the next step and how do I build on that? And that can't, you know, am I confident that by being myself today, I'm going to add value? And, you know, and that's coming through loud and clear as well. And I, and I think that gives you a position to kind of, you know, deal with, 
you know, good, bad and indifferent from as well. You know, I'm still going to be able to be myself, whether I'm responding to something I'm delighted with or mildly devastated by, you know, and anywhere in between. So it's really, really clear, really powerful. So thank you for your thanks for the honesty and, and the openness. That's, that's uh, some really great stuff in there and uh, lots of stuff for us to get snippets out of and, and you know, kind of keep sharing the learning as we go forward. Um, so I guess at end of the leg. So we need kind of baton handover. Um, so I'm I'm curious to find out who you who you're handing over to, Liam. Who are we going to be talking to next next week when I've actually had a haircut, which I'm really looking <laughs> forward to. Yeah, no, I, I got fortunate that uh, my missus uh, I braved a, a haircut with the uh, the Clippers early doors. It's just grown back now. So uh, so yeah, no, I'm passing the baton on to someone who I, I think has has shown immense bravery. Um, is a guy called Nathan Atkinson. Uh, he is the founder. Uh, and the trustee of a charity called uh, Fuel for School. Um, and, and Nathan's very quick story was that he was a, a very, very successful head teacher, um, quite unconventional. Um, when I first met him, he had a, you know, he's not flash, but he had a Breitling watch that I was obsessed with, a nice tattoo going down his arm, um, you know, was, was, was very smartly dressed, but, you know, he was leading schools in very different, difficult environments. And, and he built up a reputation of being an excellent head teacher. Um, and then halfway through his career, he just decided that, He'd done that, he'd had enough, he's going to plough his own furrow and, and, he'd, and he'd found something that he was very, very passionate about, which is where he developed the charity called, called Fuel for School. Uh, and ultimately what it does is it, it feeds a number of, of children, uh, young people, uh, it works to the United Nations Sustainable Goals, um, and, it, and it's just an outstanding piece. And I think my admiration for Nathan is the fact that he got to the top of the tree in his industry and had done it all, could have probably had any job um, you know, could have gone on to, to very, very many different things, but he, he chose to start again, reset and, and, and go with something that he was uh, very, very, you know, he thought was vocational and, and meant a lot to him. So I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward. I've learned a lot from Nathan and I'm really looking forward to, to hearing and seeing Nathan next week with you, Chris. Yeah, fantastic. No, it sounds like a brilliant handover, yeah, but in terms of sort of doing good and paying stuff forward, but also, as you say, that kind of obvious learning points and, and kind of, you know, the, the, the bravery to change and, and desire to, that'll be, that'll be fascinating. So thank you. Fantastic handover. I'll be looking forward to that and, and I'll, I'll be extra sharp for it as well. So that's good. All good. All good. Well, look, brilliant. Really great to hear from you. Thank you for taking your time over Friday lunchtime to uh, talk to us. Um, we'll be making sure you, you know, you can get access to all of this yourself as well, Liam, to kind of pass it on to anyone else who you think is going to benefit and kind of keep the development going within within the organization all the best for sort of planning for next season as well and sort of for the um for the brave new world of football uh, in the uh, i was going to say post covid but we're certainly not post covid yet it's in the in the continuing covid scenario um, really all the best with that as well thanks for your generosity today um look forward to some continued conversations in the future and uh, thanks for everyone who's watched live and who watches uh, when we when we make recordings available and uh, have a safe weekend and we'll see you for leg nine next week thank you very much cheers, cheers. take care